There's gonna come a time when giving up looks like the only option. When the problem looks unsolvable, the enemy seems unstoppable. When defeat looks inevitable, but you can't give in. Regardless of the odds, regardless of what life throws at you, God has taken you through too much to leave your side now. Let what was meant to destroy be your strength. Take what the world meant for evil and watch God work it for good. Hey, we're in uh, this series called Resilient, looking at the life of Joseph. And I love that song we just sang, like this is how I fight my battles because the thing we're jumping into today is the issue of temptation. Like what happens when I feel surrounded by temptation that comes. And so the reality is we're going to be talking about this is how we fight battles. This is what it looks like for us. And so if you have a Bible, go ahead and turn to Genesis chapter 39. Uh, that's where we're going to be camping out. We're going to just walk through the whole chapter. And it's a really amazing chapter. And if you've missed some of these uh, passages so far, I want to encourage you to go back and read through these. The story of Joseph is amazing. But here's the reality. You're going to read through it and you're going to think, this is crazy. Like this family's crazy. This situation is crazy. And so just hang in there. Read the story on your own, but also follow along with us as we're walking through it because we're just walking through a study of his life. Before we get into the passage, though, let me just say something. We're looking at the fact that God is with you, okay? God is with us even in intense temptation, so let me share a few things about temptation as we jump into this. Temptation is part of the human experience. The reality is it's coming. It's a reality that all of us have to deal with. And if we don't overcome temptation, the reality is it's going to overcome us. We will eventually be overcome by temptation because here's what I want you to see. Every temptation is built on a lie. Every temptation is built on a lie and giving into temptation never satisfies and it always makes things worse. Think about that. It never satisfies. It always is making this grand promise, but it's never going to satisfy and it's always going to make things worse in your life. And I know we're jumping in pretty heavy, uh, but I think we can all agree that many of us still struggle. We, the struggles that we face or the scars that we bear or the haunting memories that we carry along even today can be traced back to a temptation that we pursued or a temptation somebody else gave into, right? And so that's why we're dealing with this. And I know it sounds heavy, but listen, there is hope. That's why we're looking at this passage because it shows us how to fight this battle. All right, we're all in it. That's our reality. And so here's the main thing I want you to understand. Main point of the whole thing is this. When you resist temptation, you rescue your future. When you resist it, when you resist temptation, you rescue your future. You know, a few weeks ago, we had a chance to just hang with some family. It was awesome. We got to swim in the pool. We were hanging with cousins and it was great. And then one day um, I was out grilling and my wife, she was like lifeguard duty at the pool. And we started to hear thunder. And so she said, hey, you know what, everybody out of the pool, thunder's coming. That's a bad sign. Everybody out. And two of our girls kind of lingered, okay, because it was fun. 
And so the temptation was, I don't want to listen to mom. This is so fun right here, right now. I'm with my cousin. This is awesome. And so Lindsay, again, my wife came over and said, hey, I need you to get out of the pool now. And so eventually they listened to mom and they got out of the pool. No kidding. Two minutes later, lightning struck the pool to the point where it sounded like an explosion. My mom actually thought the grill had exploded and they were worried that they were gonna come out and have to take us to the hospital. Everybody freaks out, everybody starts crying, everybody starts running inside. My wife and daughter hear the water on the concrete next to the pool sizzling two minutes after they got out of the pool. Here's the reality, had they gone into, given, given into temptation and stayed in the pool. I'm not listening to what she has to say. I'm doing what I want. I'm following through on this temptation. Their future would have been different. But because they resisted temptation, they literally rescued their future. That's the point of this. That's what we're trying to solve. That's what we're trying to figure out. And that's what Joseph is going to show us. So again, in chapter 39, we're going to pick up from verse one and we're just going to start walking through this thing together. Okay, so verse one, chapter 39 says this. Now, Joseph had been brought down to Egypt to Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian. He bought him from the Ishmaelites who had brought him down there. Now, if you're just picking up with us and you're like, what in the world are we talking about? You need to go learn part of the story that happened before this. But Joseph had a dysfunctional family. They sold him to some Ishmaelites. They just sold, the Ishmaelites sold Joseph now to Potiphar and he is now a slave in Potiphar's house. Verse two says this, but the Lord was with Joseph. And he became success, a successful man, and he was in the house of this Egyptian master. I want you to look at this, verse 2 right here. Hold on, go back. So the word Lord, when you see all caps, okay, when you see the Lord in all caps in the Old Testament, what it's doing is it's, it, that means they're using the personal name of God. Yahweh, or at least that's how we think that it's said. This is the name that God gives himself. Think about that. When somebody says, who is this God? The Lord references Yahweh. This is the God who says, although I created everything, although I hold all things in my hands, I'm choosing to be known. I'm choosing to draw near. I'm choosing to relate and be accessible to humanity. That, so when you hear the word or the name Yahweh or in the Old Testament, when you see the name Lord in all caps, think this is the personal God who has made himself available to his people. And so here's what's amazing about this. Personal God, Yahweh, creator God made in himself, making himself available to humanity is with Joseph. And whenever the presence of God is with you, the blessing of God comes. Okay, you see that over and over throughout the life of Joseph. The presence of God brings the blessing of God and Yahweh God is with Joseph. Look at verse three. Let's keep going. His master saw that the Lord, Yahweh, was with him and that the Lord caused all that he did to succeed in his hands. So Joseph found favor in his sight and attended him. That is, he became his right-hand man, right? He did everything that um, Potiphar had in mind. 
Um, and so he attended to him. He, he was made overseer of the house and put him in charge of all that he had from the time that he was made him, made him overseer in his house. And over all that he had, the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake, because God was with Joseph, the Egyptians were being blessed. Think about that as the fulfillment of the promise God made in Genesis 12, 12 that says, I'm gonna bless you so you can be a blessing to all these nations. It's a picture of it right here through Joseph. Keeps going, it says, the blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in house and field. So he left all that he had in Joseph's charge and because of him, he had no concern about anything but the food he ate. Now that sounds awesome, right? No concern. He, Potiphar had developed a relationship with Joseph. Joseph had proven himself and he trusted everything. And here's the reality, something different about Joseph. There was something different about him because God was with him. Potiphar saw it. He saw the fruit of his life. He saw that he was different. That's the same for you and me. Because God is with us, we should be different to other people. Wherever we should go, things should be getting better because with the presence of God is also the blessing of God. And his blessing is not dependent on circumstances. Look at this. The blessing of God being with you is not an absence of difficulty and hard knocks. Look, the blessing of God is that he is with you in all circumstances. Wherever you are, whatever you're doing, whatever you're experiencing, the blessing of God is that He's with you in those circumstances. That means that wherever you are, He's at work, He's moving, He's doing things, and He'll make things better for you or through you in every situation. And you might be thinking, man, you don't even know my situation. I bet your situation's not as bad as Joseph's. His brother sold him, he's now a slave in Egypt, He's working for this guy who's the officer of Pharaoh. Life is pretty scary for him, yet God is with him. I think God can still work in any situation you might find yourself in as well. The presence of difficulty does not mean the absence of blessing. All right, life is hard. We're gonna walk through that. That's what, that's what comes with the territory. But there is a way in all of life to live a productive kingdom life in every situation. But let's look at the rest of the uh, verse six. Here's what it says. Now, Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. Um, the, the story's shifting right here. We're, we're about to get into the main uh, deal that, that we're talking about with temptation. So he was handsome in form and appearance. That's a good setup. Verse seven, and after a time, his master's wife cast her eyes on Joseph and said, lie with me. Now, here's where we discover this story is about two people who are faced with temptation, Potiphar's wife and Joseph. Both of them are faced with temptation. One overcomes temptation while the other is overcome by temptation. So we're gonna see this play out in two people's lives and see how they deal with this fight against temptation. And again, one prevails and one does not. And so there seems to be a lot of backstory here, by the way, because it goes from, he was handsome and she said, come lie with me. Now, this is years and years and years of serving, years and years and years of bearing fruit in this house, years and years and years of all these kind of things. And finally, it's just come to this point. Let's go to verse eight. But he refused. He said to his master's wife, behold, because of me, my master has no concern about anything in the house. 
and he has put everything that he has in my charge. He is not greater in this house than I am, nor has he kept back anything from me except you because you are his wife. How then could I do this wickedness and sin against God? Think of how clear Joseph's mind is in this, okay? That in the midst of temptation, he's able to clearly go, it's not worth the cost. It's not worth giving into this. Look at how he processes temptation. The first thing he realizes is that his relationship with Potiphar would be ruined. His relationship with his master would be destroyed. Years of investing in a relationship completely destroyed. The second thing is his responsibility would be taken away. Everything he worked for, all the fruit of his life would be gone just like that. But finally, and perhaps the most important thing, he would be sinning directly against God. He sees that any sin would come between him and God. And again, he has this kind of clarity because God was with him. And when God is with you, you just realize this is a way of living that is better than any version of living. And because he is with me, I don't want anything to come in between me and Yahweh God. When he is with me, life is amazing. I can face any circumstance. When he's far from me, life gets scary. Life gets too hard. It gets too much. And so Joseph's going, I don't want anything to creep in the middle of this relationship that I have with Yahweh God. And so he says, I'm not doing this. In verse 10, look what happens. And as she spoke to Joseph day after day, he would not listen to her, to lie beside her or to be with her. Isn't that the unfortunate reality of temptation? Day after day. Like we fight the battle and we think, man, we won. And it comes back tomorrow. Right? This is the nature of temptation. Don't you wish that one time you could just say like, no, you could like stand strong. You could say like, it's not worth it. It's not worth the cost of giving into this. And then it would be gone forever. Wouldn't that be amazing? But that's not how it works. Because as soon as you push against and you stand for God and you stand for righteousness, the devil and the dark forces at work, they go, okay, I'm just going to wait till you're tired and we'll come back. Or I'm going to wait till you're bored and then we'll come back. I'm going to wait till you're alone by yourself and then, then we'll see how strong you are. That's how it works. And see, the reality is not only does the pressure of temptation return, it oftentimes escalates. Look at verse 11. But one day, when he went into the house to do his work and none of the men of the house was there in the house. I don't think that's an accident. She caught him by his garment saying, lie with me. But he left his garment in her hand and fled and got out of the house. Look at this. As temptation escalates, so does Joseph's plan of resistance. As the pressure of temptation increases, so does his plan of escape. In verse eight, he refused and he could say, listen, we're not doing this. It's not worth it. But by the time you get to verse 12, he's running. He's not just refusing. He's getting out of there because he knows this has to happen. I have to meet the resist. I have to resist at a level that matches the intensity of the temptation that I'm facing. And so he shows us refusing doesn't work. Running does. But with Potiphar's wife, 
we see that the pressure of temptation has been escalating for her. You see, she hasn't been resisting temptation. She's been pursuing it. But look at how, look at how it develops in her. First thing is she sees the opportunity. It literally says she put her eyes on him. So she sees the opportunity and all of a sudden the idea, the temptation is born. And the second thing is she forms a plan. She says, here's what's going to happen. You're going to lie with me. (laughs) She says, that's the plan. And the third thing is she schemes to act on that plan. Day to day, finding a way to do this. She says, day to day, it says, well, maybe don't lie with, just come lay next to me. Well, maybe that'll work. And then she says, well, that doesn't work. So she escalates and gets way more aggressive and tries to grab hold of him and make him do, see what happens if you pursue temptation, if you don't resist temptation, it tends to build in you. It starts with an idea, turns into a plan, and all of a sudden you find yourself scheming ways to fulfill this plan. Verse 13, it keeps going. Look at this. Now, as soon as she saw that he had left his garment in her hand, he fled out of the house. And she called to the men in her household and said to them, See, he has brought among us a Hebrew to laugh at us. He came in to me to lie with me and I cried out in a loud voice. And as soon as he heard that I lifted up my voice and cried out, he left his garment beside me and fled and got out of the house. Then she laid up the garment, just kind of set it right here, not folded nicely, but kind of like in a bundle because she's just waiting for Potiphar to come home. And when the master came home, she told him the same story saying, the Hebrew servant whom you have brought among us came into me to laugh at me. But as soon as I lifted my voice and cried, he left his garment beside me and fled out of the house. Here's our reality. Fighting temptation is part of the struggle that we're in. All right, and as a reminder, all temptation is built on lies and giving into temptation never satisfies and it always makes things worse. And Potiphar's wife is a living example of what happens to someone who doesn't resist temptation. She doesn't overcome temptation. She's overcome by temptation and it consumed her thoughts and escalates out of control. And it cost her and it cost that house the blessing of God because now Joseph is kicked out. Look at what happens in 19. As soon as his master heard the words that his wife spoke to him, This is the way your servant treated me. His anger was kindled and Joseph's master took him and put him in prison. Now, just a side note. um, It was well within Potiphar's um, means to have Joseph executed for something like that. So in a way, this is God's grace still at work. The fact that Joseph is only put in prison as opposed to being executed is God's provision in his life. So he puts him in prison, the, pal- the place where the king's prisoners were confined. And he was there in prison. You see, oftentimes living a life of righteousness will cost you. But it is a worthy sacrifice compared to the cost of giving into temptation. You see, the hunger pains of temptation will pass a lot faster than the consequences of giving into temptation. Can you imagine? Can you imagine what it would have been like had Joseph given into 
this temptation. Think about that for a minute. Think of what it would have cost him. He may not have been in prison, but he would have been held captive in that house, right? He would not maybe have been locked up, but he would have been enslaved to Potiphar's wife because of sin. And who knows how long that would have happened, not to mention what God had been doing through his family for generations could have stopped right there. Had he given in, had he not resisted temptation, it would have cost him the future. But because he resisted, because he resisted, it rescued his future. Now, it doesn't seem like that. In fact, it actually looks like it ruined his future, right? I stood for righteousness. I did the right thing. And I'm the one who got in trouble. But that's because you, we don't see the end of the story yet. When you resist temptation, you're putting the story, you're putting the writing of the story back in the hands of God and saying, you write this, you finish this. Because that's what it says. 21, look what it says. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him steadfast love and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. It's interesting. The beginning of this chapter and the end of this chapter both have this place that says, the Lord was with him. Yahweh God was with him. That's how it starts. And he flourishes in Potiphar's house. But then he's imprisoned. And then he goes in prison. God is with him and he flourishes wherever he's at because God is with him. And I think the point of saying this is, as long as you stay close to God, he will take care of you. But the devil is trying to distract and derail your journey with God. He's trying to get anything, any sin, any temptation to come in between you and the Father because he just wants to ruin it. So we know temptation's coming. No one can get around that. The question is, what do we do about it? Here's a big question in my mind. When do you win against temptation? Before it ever comes. How do you beat temptation way before you're face to face with temptation. As followers of Jesus, we have a high standard of holiness because God is with us. His spirit is working through us. So we choose gladly, great joy to live a holy life because it's a better way to live. We don't wanna keep giving into the stuff of this world. We've tasted and seen how good God is. And so we live for Him. We live His righteousness. We fight for that every day because it's worth it. Joseph made that choice. Many people in scripture made that choice. Job is a phenomenal story of suffering and perseverance and fighting for something that he knew is true. Even Job said, I've made a covenant with my eyes not to even look lustfully at another woman because he's standing for righteousness, because he knows the benefit of having a relationship with Yahweh God. And it's worth it. It's worth it. When you make the decision to follow the ways of Jesus, that is living the with God kind of life, it's simply a matter of obedience after that. It's simply, yes, Lord, whatever it is. Joseph, with this, had one plan. Because he was with God, he lives for God's will and refuses to pursue anything else. It's that simple. Live for God's will 
and then refuse to pursue anything else, anything that's counter to what God's saying, anything that's counter to what God's ways have been, anything that's counter to what God's wanting to do in your life, we just say, hey, we're gonna live for him and we're not gonna, we're gonna abandon everything else. That's what Joseph's plan was. And I wanna say, let's just adopt that plan. Let's make his plan <clears throat> our plan. So here's the, here's the strategy, okay? To resist temptation, I think it's two things. You plan ahead and you run fast. If you're gonna resist temptation, you gotta plan ahead and you gotta be able to run fast. You gotta run quick. You gotta be like Joseph in that because you know fighting temptation, I've, I kinda see it a little bit like playing chess, all right? By the way, I was playing chess with my son a couple weeks ago who um, is obviously much younger than me totally beat me at chess. And I like to think that I was like distracted or something happened, but he had totally schemed and beat me at chess. But that's the reality of the game we're playing when we're fighting the battle of temptation. You know, we're, we're fighting this game and the devil is scheming and he's aiming to destroy you. He's aiming to take things from you. But here's what's amazing for everybody in Christ. You ready for this? For everybody in Christ, you always have another move. You always have another move because God is with you. He says, why don't you move that piece there? Because God is with you, he can actually say, hey, you lost this piece, I'm gonna put it back. Because God is with you, he can look at the opponent and say, you can't make that move. Because he's with you, you always have another move. You always have an opportunity to defeat the temptation. That's what Paul is saying. In 1 Corinthians 10, 13, he says, no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. That means the things you're facing, every generation, every generation of people has had to face the same thing you're facing. It might've looked a little different. It might've felt a little bit different but there's no temptation that's gonna come at us that is not already common to man. That means that the devil has a few good ideas. He's just really good at playing the same game. But with God, we always have another move. Look at this, God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with temptation, he will also provide a way of escape that you may be able to endure it. He'll also provide a way to escape, a way out, another move. He's saying with him, you, you don't have to ever lose. So let's get real practical for a second. What are some of the temptations that show up in life, right? Where we have to, okay, what's our strategy for resisting temptation? Remember, we got to plan ahead and we have to run fast when it comes. Plan ahead, run fast. All right, I'm gonna give you a few of the temptations that show up uh, in my life. And I'm assuming all of us kind of struggle with some of these. The first one is maybe the most universal, ice cream. Um, ice cream is uh, a, a temptation. It's one of those things that literally at, at dinner, you know, a few nights ago, it was like, I could say no to so many things. And I was like, man, I'm crushing it. And then they said, do you want ice cream? And I was like, oh, Yes, yes I do. Yes, I do want ice cream. So I have to have a plan now because I know I'm too weak in the moment to say no to ice cream. So my plan is I give myself a few freebies a week and if I have a free item for the week, I'll eat ice cream. And if I don't, 
I run away. <laughs> I, I, do, I just put it back in the freezer or no, I don't want it. Just I got to get out of here because I just know I have to have a plan and be ready to escape and run when the time comes. What about this? Let's move to another one. What about the temptation to waste time on social media? Think about this. Getting glued or sucked into a screen and neglecting relationships. And I'm not saying we all do this, but I'm saying it's a temptation we all face. Getting sucked into a screen, neglecting the relationships around us. Think of how practical this is. If you resist this temptation to waste time, just scrolling through, waste time on a screen, you literally rescue hours of your life back. Just by resisting this one thing, you rescue time. You rescue your future to have significant relationships, significant conversations, significant change in your life. What about compromising integrity to fit in or maybe to get ahead? Like as a student, you might go to a party and you might think like, well, that's not really my thing. But because everybody's doing it here, I, you might compromise integrity. Or maybe as a business owner, you think, well, I might take this shortcut. It, it, it's not really going to impact the client. It's not really going to impact my partner, but it is going to benefit me. So we compromise on integrity to, to fit in or to get ahead. How does that last? If, if, you, if you resist temptation, it rescues your future. If you don't, it forsakes it, right? What about pornography or any inappropriate content that we consume? Man, this is one that is just kind of wreaking havoc in our world. And no, it seems like nobody's outside of this one. It used to be that you had to fight to find inappropriate content. Now you have to fight to avoid it, right? You have to fight to get away from it. So what is your plan? What is your strategy? When it's 1030 at night and you're on your phone, what is your plan to avoid this stuff? On my phone now, because I don't trust myself. Honestly, I don't trust myself with ice cream. I don't trust myself with anything. So on my phone, my wife has a code and there's a lot of content that's locked. I will look up menus to restaurants and it says, this is not appropriate content for you to look at. So I'm like, okay, well, I need somebody else to look this up. But I've also got another thing called covenant eyes that literally takes pictures of my screen that are questionable and sends it to my wife. I'm, I, my plan is my phone is locked. My phone is boring. I am not, that is not how, this is not how the devil is going to get me. What is your plan? How do you run? How do you face these things? Listen, this is why it's so important for us to resist temptation because resisting it will keep you on the long path of following God's will. If you don't resist it, you may never see the end of the story that God is writing for your life. Do you get that? You might miss what he's been doing. Think about Joseph. Joseph took a stand for righteousness and it cost him. He was sent to prison. But had he not gone to prison, he would never have met a cupbearer. Had he never met a cupbearer and interpreted a dream for him, he would have never been, Pharaoh would never been told about a guy in prison who can interpret dreams. And if Pharaoh had never heard about this guy in prison who can interpret dreams, Pharaoh, uh, Joseph would never have found a place in the palace and Egypt would have crumbled 
over the next 14 years. Think about that. You see, in the moment, resisting temptation looked like it ruined his future. But in fact, when he resisted temptation, it is the very thing that rescued the future because he stayed close. You see, you can trust God even when it's hard. Even when temptation comes, he will be with you just like he was with Joseph. Look at this verse again, verse 21. I wanna just remind you of something that is true. Verse 21 says this, but the Lord, Yahweh, was with Joseph and showed him steadfast love and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. The defining characteristic, please don't miss this. The defining characteristic of Yahweh is his steadfast love. That comes from the Hebrew word hesed. This is a thick word. Steadfast love is only one of the ways that captures it. It's this idea of unrelenting love. It holds together mercy, compassion, justice, righteousness. It holds together holiness and covenant loyalty. Here's my question. If this is who Jesus is, the personal God, the relatable God who has entered into relationship and the defining characteristic of his life is unrelenting love, is a never stopping kind of love that holds mercy and justice and righteousness and loyalty that holds all those things. If that's the defining characteristic of who Jesus is, wouldn't you want to rescue your future by putting it in his hands? Wouldn't that make the most sense in this world that we would resist temptation and rescue our future by giving it to Him and allow Him to write the rest of your story. Allow Him to write you into His story, what He's working on, what He's up to. That's possible. So stand firm and trust Him. Hey, let me pray for us. Father, man, we're so thankful for your grace. We're so thankful that when we picture life with you, when we begin to understand what life with you is like, it is held together. It is built on a foundation of said a covenant, unrelenting kind of love, a steadfast love, a steadfast faithfulness. God, you, you never fail. As long as we're close to you, you, you never fail. When life is great or when life is hard and we feel like it's impossible, you always show up for us. You always protect us. You always provide for us. Our world cannot offer those things. Our world makes promises that are only backed up by disappointment. God, we're so thankful that we could trust you in this because, because in your grace, Jesus came, he showed us, he changed our world. He went to the cross. He defeated sin. He defeated death itself. So we can stand in confidence. We can rest in your sovereignty. 
that you hold all things and we don't have to be afraid. So for those of us who are in the battle, those of us who are right in the middle of it, I pray that through your spirit, we would be given the ability to resist temptation and have you rescue our future. Jesus, have mercy. We pray in your name. Amen. A friend of mine led a devotion this week that reminded us that God, that he's actually still got the whole world in his hands. Psalm 32, this friend of mine said, reminded us of the unfailing love of God that surrounds those who trust in the Lord. And I want to remind you of that today. Here's a question that I think each of us has to answer for ourselves as we face our personal and our national Joseph moments, our uncertain moments. Is it possible that God is still active and that he's still accomplishing his purposes when there seems like that he's not active at all? He's not active in your world, in the world, when everything seems to be going backward. And your answer to that question is going to determine your response to your, to our current uncertainty. I mean, think for a minute about how Joseph felt in that well, how he felt in that cell, how he felt in the middle of that temptation. I mean, there were some of his darkest hours, but it was also when God accomplished his greatest work. When God, when life is uncertain, God is not. He's actually still got the whole world in his hands. Good things come from broken things. When we see that God is behind or in or working through our circumstances, there is a sense of purpose and peace that emerges. Now, is that gonna save my job or pay my bills or keep me from COVID? No, but it's gonna allow you to maintain hope and faith in the meantime. When life is uncertain, God is not. So as we close, let me ask you a couple of questions. In this story, what can you learn about fighting temptation from looking at Joseph's life and what he learned? And then I want you to think about temptation, the temptation that tends to keep showing up in your life. Whatever that means, the temptation for sin, the temptation to doubt, whatever it is, what is your plan going to be to fight it next time? Listen. We're ready, friends, to walk through these questions or any other questions you have. We're ready to pray with you about anything you might have to pray about. And if you're ready to take your next step or make a decision or you just need prayer, click on the Connect Card button in the chat or go to CompassionChristian.com and select the online Connect Card. And we're going to get connected to you and tell you about the life-changing relationship that Jesus offers to every one of us. Listen, thanks for being here. And we can't wait together with you again.